Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Welcome along and thanks for tuning in. Here's what's coming up. I told the the guy at the gate uh, that look I'm going and he just looked up from his paper and you know nodded and so I went out when I came back he asked for my ticket as a player we'd love to play more test matches and um, obviously we don't um, play as many Kellis probably for his all-round game has probably been the guy that has, has really stood out Sonil Gavaskar, Lydia Greenway and Dan Vittori there with a few clips that we'll be hearing from later on in this podcast we're very very pleased to be joined by Middlesex bowler Toby Rodden-Jones for the latest Lord podcast along with the reviews editor at All Out Cricket, Ed Kemp. Welcome both. How are we doing? Very good, thank you. Glad good to be here. Well. Good, good. So have you, you made it on time just? Yeah, just about, yeah. A little bit of traffic, but, but yeah, happy to be here. Fantastic. And uh, Ed, how, how's it going with you? Very well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Lovely to be at Lords on such a sunny morning. I was just saying, pretty jealous of the ground staff today. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, it's a pretty nice job for them out on those mowers, just uh, whiling away the hours. I think it's one of those jobs that you've got to be quite content to be with yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd say so. And sometimes they seem to be in their own world when you pass yeah. them and ask them about <laughs> the pitch as well. So, yeah, I think, I think they're all pretty happy. Fantastic. And um, I'd like to get well, straight into it, really. The India series, Ed's, we've, we've turned it around, I guess, or England have turned it around. It's amazing, isn't it? The transformation since, if you think about the doom and gloom after the game here at Lords um, and the calling for Alistair Cook's head and everything like that, the way it is now, suddenly Alistair Cook's he's a he's a new Brearley, he's a he's batting like Bradman. It's um you know, it just shows that actually sometimes the reactions can be too far one way or the other, you know, and it's um it's been really impressive. He's shown a lot of steel, the captain, I think. Toby, what do you think the, the turnaround was sort of down to? Because as Ed mentions, at Lords it you didn't really see a way out for him. Um, I think I think it shows the value of momentum and it seemed like whatever could go wrong at times was, was possibly going against England and certainly the faith that he's put in not only himself and, and his views but on, on the players that, that are around him seems justified and you know you look at Moeen Ali and the way that he sort of progressed uh, having been, been given more confidence and more faith and, and yeah you, you've got to be delighted for the guys and, and the way that this team's come together. Is Moeen Ali the, the next Graham Swan? <laughs> Well, it's hard to put that kind of pressure on, isn't it? But he's certainly looking more like Graham Swan than anyone thought anyone would for a long time. But, um, just because he, he's bowling so well, there's a lot of energy on the ball and he delivers it. He's probably maybe bowling a bit quicker, a bit straighter, they're saying, through advice from the England setup. Just um, bowl quicker, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Is that the step up? That's well, what uh, I get told as well. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the advice you get when you're with the Lions? Just, just bowl, <laughs> yeah. bowl gas? Yeah. But he's he's done this for the last few years in county cricket, I suppose. He's sort of, you know, seamlessly picked up wickets and, and shown his value. And I suppose playing alongside Ajmal, he maybe doesn't get sort of valued as highly as, as perhaps he, he deserves to be. Well, there's one more test left of the, left of the summer. And I guess unless England lose that, then it will be, uh, well, they've, they've completed their mission and all things are rosy for Cook. Um, I'd like to move on to some questions for you, Toby. We've had a few on Twitter. 
out of the hashtag AskTRJ. Um, the first question comes from at PhilBead9, so I guess that's a chap called Phil. Which Middlesex squad player is likely to make £1 million after his career in cricket? Uh, I have to say there's slim pickings. To <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for a youngster who's just sort of come around this year, Nick Gubbins. Nick Gubbins. Has got his head screwed Great on. Name. He's intelligent, intelligent cricketer and yeah, he's an intelligent man off the field as well. So there's lots of money to be made after his career. Yeah, 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 yeah. Invest in that man wisely, yeah. <laughs> And the, the next question comes from at Strange Passerby. I'll, I'll go, I won't go too much into the name. Has Toby ever been told he sounds a lot like Graham Swan? Um, possibly by at Strange Passerby on Twitter, to be honest. I think after an interview I gave uh, following a game earlier in the season, I was told, told that via Twitter. Uh, and I think, I think he agreed. So I don't know if there's a compliment there, but yeah. He's a radio star yeah. now, of course, so you know. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose he sort of. Yeah, he seems to have made made a pretty good transition to the airwaves. So maybe maybe someone to look up to. Yeah, absolutely. Is it something that you enjoy doing the media side of things? Yeah, certainly. It offers a, a sort of different side of things, and I suppose it's something which, uh, ha- having sort of now become become a part of the game, it's nice to be sort of able to to sort of take the step up into it, and and yeah, to to sort of experiment and, and experience the the different side of it. Lovely. Well, um, as we as we trailed at the top of the podcast, I'd like to talk a little bit about Jacques Callis now. Uh, last month, Callis announced his retirement from international cricket. With over 24,500 runs and more than 500 wickets for South Africa across tests and ODIs, the all-rounder is statistically one of the greatest ever. But despite this phenomenal record, his name is often an afterthought when it comes to comparing the greats of the game. Here, New Zealand's Dan Vittori suggests Callis was the greatest of his generation. I think, I think you, can, you can easily go back to the Tendulkas, Lara's, Pontings, they've all been exceptional. I think Callis, probably for his all-round game, has probably been the guy that has, has really stood out. That ability to bat three or four, average close to 60, close to 300 test wickets, 300 one-day wickets. Um, catch the ball as well as he does, never get injured, and, and turn up day in, day out, and, and put a performance together. All facets of the game is, is something that uh, is probably underappreciated, but the guys who have played against him and the guys who have played with him understand that he's probably one of the finest cricketers ever to play the game. Gary Sobers of our generation, that's what Raul Dravid said about Callis. Greatest all-rounder ever, in my opinion. That's Michael Vaughan. And best all-rounder of our generation, Mahela Jaiwarda. So he's not short of praise from his contemporaries. But the question I'd like to ask is... Why is he often a kind of afterthought when it comes to talking about the greats of the game, you know, in the pub after a match? I think it's really interesting what you say there about his contemporaries being the, the main, the, the people who really appreciate him because um, I, I sort of see him as the sort of professionals, professional, the job of a pro is to turn up every day and do the job for the team. Toby, you've obviously got to tell me more about this than, than I already know. Um, but, but... And that's what Callis does. His numbers show that he turns up and is very consistent at delivering what his job is. And he's been unbelievable at doing that if you look at his numbers. I suppose the, the thing from the point of view of fans and maybe media is, you know, is maybe the, is the style that he's done it in as compelling as the likes of Sobers. Is he, he's not necessarily flailing, flailing it through the covers in the way Sobers did. Are there lots of games where you can say Callis won that game? You know, do you remember that knock by Callis? Yeah. But he is an unbelievable cricketer. So it's, it's, that, it's that strange situation, isn't it? 
Yeah, I, I think pretty much spot on, really. I mean, it speaks volumes the way that people have, you know, lauded him since he since he finally called it called it a day. And and I'd I'd say it's exactly that. It's it's perhaps he lacks only the the glamour side of the game if there is one. Uh, and, and other than that, he's pretty much achieved everything that there is to achieve, apart from, apart from maybe style. You would say to put himself probably where he deserves to be, which is right up at the very top of the it's game. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because even then, you, you know, he has played big, booming inside-out cover drives and stuff like that. It's just uh, maybe it's partly personality as well. You it's know? quite an understated exactly. chap, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I suppose and. And Tendorka was very quickly made sort of the, the hero of, of the nation and and sort of that maybe propelled him even higher and and ponting maybe sort of the ashes environment and sort yeah. of the way and the, the style of cricket that they played during during their pomp sort of propelled him higher and and maybe I, it's hard to know why why Callis has maybe lacked until now perhaps where he's starting to finally sort of have his have his numbers added up if you like and yeah, the people, recognition. yeah exactly so it's hard to really know do you think there's also something to do with the fact that actually despite being phenomenal in England he wasn't that great he averaged 35 in England and he averaged 55 in test cricket you know in his career he was 55 here he just didn't quite you know he wasn't he didn't quite live up to sort of when he came over here in the English audience I guess yeah, maybe, and there was the kind of few occasions, weren't there, when our own kind of uh, champion all rounder Flintoff kind of seemed to have the have the wood on him a little bit, and obviously it's that's an, another interesting one because obviously Flintoff's record is is nowhere near Callis's, but again he kind of captures the imagination in maybe in a slightly different way. Big moments, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's um, to be a great. Do you need the glamour though? Because I know you said maybe not if you look at the stats, but isn't part of sport the entertainment? And in a way, Callis, as good as he was, and he was phenomenal. He didn't quite entertain in quite the way that, say, Brian Lara did. You know, if you were at the bar and Lara walked out to bat, you quickly got back into your seat. It's it's hard to know because sort of for for long periods, I suppose that South African team was perhaps considered maybe slightly underachievers and maybe didn't scale the heights that people thought they could have done. And for him to have achieved his personal success and and the team you know it's hard to know whether those were, were aligned as well as say Flintoff in his pomp yeah. you would argue would, would win new test matches outright so it's hard to know how that transfers and and maybe the fact that he wasn't part of such a, a dominant force throughout cricket maybe or, or sort of achieved the sort of the, the, the immediate successes of big series as much as Flintoff in 05 and, and Australia in that period and sort of the one-day cricket that India played with Tendorka at the helm. Maybe that's sort of the thing that, that held him back in, in the public's eyes. I wonder if partly the bowling is a distraction from how great a batsman he was. <laughs> you know, 45 centuries, average of over 55. That's just a great batsman. And then some, and then you've got this bowling sort of complicates it, you know. So his downfall is that he took too many wickets as well as scoring those centuries. To be a great. <laughs> and also stood at second slip and took a load of catches. Yeah, he's sort of widely, you know, for people even mention that now that, you know, as good a hands as there, as there was. And yeah, I mean, it's, you can't really pick flaws in the guy, can you? I'm sure he's a great bloke as well. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those mysteries that, that, you know, for some reason, maybe there were, there were other people at the time who just captured the imagination more than him. And for that reason, only now do we recognise how good he was. 
in the county circuit, are there similar players? I mean, you've done a feature in all-out cricket this month. You picked five, five players that kind of just go under the radar. Unsung heroes, one of which is a teammate of yours. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe less unsung from uh, the the sort of guys who who play and, and the peers who sort of go against them as well, uh, and certainly. I think a few of the guys there. I think I think guys would almost guess because they they'd know that maybe to to most people they're unsung, and yet to to sort of the rest of us who who obviously check regularly on the game, you know, we we notice perhaps more more sort of as they go on. I think that's it. Professionals who are involved with the game day in day out, they really appreciate the guys who they turn up every time and they do their do their job, and the guys that. We've selected the likes of Tim Murta um, uh, and Darren Stevens for Kent. These guys who just seem to just just churn out the numbers every single game they play. I think those are the guys that pros really will always really really respect. Who is the player for you, Toby? When you turn up, you think, "Oh, not him again." Got <laughs> <laughs> to bowl at him all day. Um, well, Trescothic's always <laughs> always one who who you know gets gets you thinking and and sort of make makes you sort of. Almost nervous about about the prospect of him getting to twenty and, and sort of feeling <laughs> like he's in. Is that still the case with, with Tred? Yeah, I suppose he's got an imposing nature, hasn't he? I mean, you, you know what the guys achieved, and certainly, sort of, you see him at, at Taunton, and we played him in, in pre season, and and he he looked in in fine form there, and and I think Nick Compton's been one who just for his his sheer resilience, and and you know that nothing's going to come easy. Uh, with him at the crease so those two are, are certainly two and maybe combined with Taunton wickets at times mm-hmm. you know that, that sort of feeling of, of helplessness that you can get <laughs> but it's it, it, you know they're, they're two people that you also really enjoy playing against as well for those reasons Lovely well I'd like to move on now to, for, to women's cricket this month England women take on India in a one day international here at Lord's uh, that match is part of a three-match one-day series which follows a one-off test at Wormsley. I caught up with England batsman Lydia Greenway when the squad was announced and whilst previewing the international series, asked her if the women wanted to play more test matches. As a player, I think it's a sort of form of the game where it really is at, at its purest. So um, as a player, we'd love to play more test matches. Um, but obviously, we don't um, play as many. Um, but with the ODIs and the 2020s, that's where we get a lot of our media coverage as well. So I think for us to keep raising the profile of the game, I think um, that's a really important aspect to look at as well. Absolutely, and moving forward to the match at Lords, that one-day international, it's on the bank holiday Monday. Um, what are you expecting for that game? Um, yeah, I think in the past, um, playing at Lords, um, we've had some good crowds, but I think with it being um, on a bank holiday Monday, I think hopefully we'll get um, a few more people in watching, um, and that'll be really great, because um, obviously we, lo- we love to play in front of um, crowds and show what we can do, and um, yeah, playing at Lords as well, I think um, on its own is, um, is sort of a really good occasion as a, as a player. Lydia Greenway there, saying that they want to play more test matches. Um... Do you think this is possible, really? I mean, India haven't played a test in eight years and they're playing at Wormsley, so how's it going to work? Well, it's quite understandable that you'd want to play more test cricket. If you're a cricket fan who's grown up in England, certainly. I mean, most of us, you know, we, we really laud the, the test format, don't we? The, the difficulty is it's if you're going to get interest uh, in, in more interest in women's cricket, then the T20 format has been the most effective in doing that. You can play curtain raises ahead of men's games. Yeah. 
you know, it's more commercially viable maybe. So it, the challenge is finding a balance so they can play some, some test cricket um, while still kind of increasing the profile generally. And actually, the format of the Ashes last year, where it was a series which took in all three formats of the game and then it was competed on points across all three, I think that was actually probably pointed the way maybe to really give relevance to the test as well. Maybe it might even be an option for men's cr- uh, cricket in, in the future. Certainly, we'll, uh, we'll hold that thought. Toby, what, how do you see the women's game at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's clearly making great strides and, and the England women certainly have been, been a huge part of, of, of the global game, sort of gathering momentum and, and certainly sort of the ECB have, have put in a lot of time and effort into, into raising the profile. I mean, I think that format you talked about with the Ashes certainly seemed like a way of trying to combine sort of introducing test cricket in a more consistent way and also finding you know the balance between making it an actually viable series and and you know incorporating it in a way that actually makes sense so certainly mixing those two could be an interesting avenue to go down in the future for them to try and you know raise the profile of test cricket uh, whilst clearly for the time being the one day stuff seems to be sort of the real sort of bread and butter if you like for the fans and and certainly for, for sort of what's currently been, been effective. You're right though, Will. I mean, it's got to be a big challenge to um, try and play a test match not having played. I mean, because there's no kind of multi-day domestic cricket. That's the thing. Women's cricket, they, they don't play long-form cricket. Obviously, with, with Toby, you play county championship cricket season in, season out, and you know the long format of the game. But women, they grow up playing T20 and 50 over cricket right until they then play this one-off test match. So it would be lovely to see more of it. It's just, is it almost, is it fair on the other nations as well? Who, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, let's yeah. put it that way. It's difficult, it's difficult. Um, uh, you know, the, 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 the hope would be uh, for England, for England's players as much as anyone, that around the world more women's tests are played. Because as you're right, I mean, it's difficult if a team t- turns up and not having played one for eight years. Clearly England have a big advantage there, and that's great if they're going to win. But, um, you know, they want, all the girls want the women's game to be as strong as possible. And for that to happen, everyone needs to be kind of playing as much as possible, don't they? History and Cricket with the Lords podcast. Now, earlier in the podcast, we were discussing the greatest players of all time, in particular Jacques Callis. One of those is undoubtedly India's Sunil Gavaskar. He was at Lords this summer during the test between England and India. During that match, I caught up with him and he recalled a story which could only really happen at Lords. Here, Gavaskar remembers how in 1987, during the MCC versus Rest of the World match, he almost wasn't allowed into the dressing room despite being 80 not out overnight. It was at the, the entrance to the, uh, to the dressing room, that, uh, uh, that, uh, that uh, gate over there. Uh, it, it was quite, uh, quite funny because you know, I had already gone up with the team and um, I had forgotten the blazer because there was a team photo with the blazer and I was in fact 80 overnight, 80 not out. So when I walked out again to get the blazer, which was in the in the team bus, uh, I told the the guy at the gate uh, that look, I'm going, and he just looked up from his paper and you know nodded, and so I went out. When I came back, he asked for my ticket. I thought he was joking. I thought you know, you see, this had happened to me just a match earlier when Dean Jones and Alan Border had played a similar prank on me uh, at uh, Old Trafford. So I thought that was a similar prank, but this guy was actually serious. Uh, this guy was serious. He wouldn't let me go because I didn't have my accreditation with me because my accreditation was up in the dressing room. And I said to him, that, look, this paper that you're reading, this photograph on, on, on the front page, it was on, on, the, on the side of the Times. I said, that's me. 
He said, that may be so, but without accreditation, you can't go. I said, well, how do I resume my innings then? Luckily, Clive Lloyd, who was manager of the team, happened to come down and come down to go somewhere and he saw what was happening. And once he um, said that it was okay. But I just found it a little strange that uh, at the dressing room entrance, you know, not the, not the first floor, but at the ground, ground level entrance. It wasn't at the ground. I've never had problems at the ground. Uh, main entrance, I've never had problems. Well, luckily they let you out to, to, to resume yes, your innings. correct. <laughs> That's why I could get the 100. <laughs> Lovely story there from Sunil Gavaskar. It's pretty much the only thing that... It's the only type of thing that really could happen at Lord's, isn't it? Not being allowed back into the dressing room, despite being 80, not out overnight. Yeah, I mean, obviously with, with all its traditions and, and everything uh, <laughs> that it's sort of held in, it's, it's obviously sometimes you can find yourself in some funny situations and and yeah I suppose whoever that was who was on the door that day was left feeling a little bit silly and yeah it's obviously one of, one of the stories like you said which which is probably pretty unique to the ground I love that line when he says you know that's me on the paper you're ready so that might be so but without your ticket you're not coming in Sonny having a bit of a do you know who I am moment there absolutely <laughs> have you ever experienced anything like that Toby just trying to work your way around the ground sometimes yeah yeah I suppose and certainly sort of when I was new coming coming to the club and, and things like that obviously as an excited youngster and and turning up to sort of meet uh, Angus Fraser for the first time to to try and actually sign my contracts and you know having struggles to get in the gate because you know driving a sort of less than fashionable car and coming in plain clothes you know it's it's not the easiest to, to get in the ground so so yeah it, it's sort of you know there, there's always difficulties like that and luckily now I think at least some of the people rec- recognize me around the place <laughs> to let me in. And Ed, and with yourself, I mean, if you, there must, there's plenty of stories like this, isn't there, from cricket? It's well, a type of sport which throws these up, really, isn't that's it? That's true. Although I have to say, in my own experience of trying to get into Lords, I've always found it remarkably lax trying to walk in. <laughs> You're wearing shorts today and you've managed to sneak in. I, know. I, I, I suppose I just can't believe that the likes of me is allowed to swan through the gates. Um, yeah. And we're recording this podcast up in the media centre overlooking the ground. It's the first time we've actually been up here, Toby. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I've, I, it's it's one of those where you, you always imagine the view, and and it doesn't really disappoint. To be honest, it's 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 a hell of a view from up here, and and you know, it's it's certainly certainly something that you can understand why people sort of flock, and and you know, you, you can't really take this sort of thing for granted, really. Absolutely. Well, it really is the home of cricket. Um, you've got some training to get to, so we're going to kind of move along with the podcast because we've got about six minutes left before you're on the nursery ground and slogging away. Um, I'd like to do the, the Lord's Bicentenary podcast quiz. It's got nothing really to do with the Bicentenary of Lord's Cricket Ground. It's purely guessing ages. So it's you're up against each other. It's man versus man, 1v1 as it were. All you have to do is tell me who is older out of the two names I give you. I'll be giving you... Names from the cricketing world against non-cricketing celebrities. So, Toby, as a player, I'll give you the honour of going first. Thank you. Um, Stephen Finn or Usain Bolt, who is older? Uh, Usain Bolt. Ed? Um, I'm also going Usain Bolt, and not just because Toby said that so confidently. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're both correct. Is Usain Bolt by two years? Who's taller? Stephen Finn. I don't know the answer, sorry. <laughs> I was just on the hoop. 
Next one. So it's one all. Right. Round two. Um, Ed, you go first. Mike Gatting or the actress Emma Thompson? Well, who do you think looks older? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the question. <laughs> who I'm is gonna, I'm going to have to go Gat, even though, you know, it might be wrong. It's got to be Gat, hasn't it? I'm going to go for the surprise. I'm going Emma Thompson. Ed, you can take a 2-1 lead. <laughs> it could be Mike. too clever sometimes. <laughs> Mike Gatting is indeed older. Okay, that, that one got you thinking. The next one, uh, Toby, you to go first. Sachin Tendulkar or Penelope Cruz? I'm going to go Penelope Cruz. Yeah, I'm with Cruz as well. Sachin by one year. Oh, oh this is turning into quite a series here. <laughs> 2 1, 2 to play. Um, Ed, you go first on this one. Kapil Dev or Stephen Fry? Fry's what, about 55, something like that? Uh, I'm going to go. He's overthinking this. You pretended he knows that. It's going to be close. I'll go. Fry. I've got to go the other way. I need the points. I'm going capital. Needs the points. Oh, you don't get the points. Sorry, Toby. It's Stephen Fry by one year. Come on. 3 1. We're just playing for Prime now. <laughs> <laughs> just to finish off, then, uh, Toby, who is older, Jacques Callis or Pharrell Williams? I have a feeling Jacques Callis just shades him. I would have said Callis as well. I mean, to be honest with you, I've got very little idea how well Pharrell was. <laughs> um, I'll go with Callis. You've both gone with Callis. He's, in fact, younger by three years. Pharrell Williams is 41 and Jack Callis is 38. Well, he's... Who would have thought that? Well, fantastic. Uh, Ed, you're worthy winner this time around. 3-1. Bad luck. Congratulations. Commiserations there, Toby. Uh, just to finish off, Toby, what, what's... What's on the horizon for the next few months? A lot of cricket still to come? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Royal London Cup sort of is, is, is wrapping up in the group stages and, and hopefully we'll look to progress in that and then follow sort of the final push in, in four-day cricket. Uh, I think we've got four games in a month coming up in September. So that's sort of an exciting time and certainly an important one as well, which is sort of going to mould the season for us. So sort of plan is to be sort of fresh and, and hit that with a bit of a new wave of enthusiasm and as usual I'm sure it'll sort of the end will be upon us before we know it really. Brilliant. Well well best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. And Ed, all out cricket towers, what's happening there? Yeah, well uh, really exciting actually. We just had a, a new issue uh, come out at the time that we were recording this um, and uh, it's guest edited by Mark Nicholas and he's done a, a brilliant interview with MS Dhoni and it's Dhoni's first kind of big feature magazine interview for about five years. Uh, it's really revealing, actually. He talks a lot about, you know, family and life and love and also his, his interest in the military. And uh, he's, uh, he's, he's a, a kind of honorary lieutenant in the Indian uh, Army and he's planning to join the, the parachute regiment when he, um, when he packs up. There's plenty of other stuff in there as well. But a true leader uh, of men, then. Well, a real leader uh, of men. It's a surprise, isn't it? You can't <laughs> quite imagine it with, uh, with Mahendra. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's really, really interesting. Uh, it's a great issue. And also, um, a subscription deal gives sort of £10 to Cricket United, the kind of three cricket charities. So, um, yeah, we're really happy. Great stuff. And um, at All Out Cricket, how does it work? Are you already working on the next issue now? And can you give us any sneak previews of that? Or are you still just wallowing in how good this one is <laughs> well obviously yeah we're all just basking in self-satisfaction <laughs> no, uh, yeah no next issue we're, we're speaking to Murray Nally as we, we talked about him at the top of the show um, really interesting time for him and a guy with an interesting story obviously um, 
so we're really looking forward to kind of uh, having a nice chat to him and uh, producing something interesting, hopefully. Great stuff. <laughs> well, well, many thanks for both coming on today. It's been a real pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed it. Cheers guys. Well, many thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter, our handles at Homer Cricket, be our friend on Facebook, and for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon.